Welcome to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman, the place where comic book artists and top blokes Scott Godleski and Ryan Cody talk about life, work, comics and booze. Follow the show on Twitter at TIG underscore show and online at www.tigshow.com. T-I-G-S-H-O-W dot com. Don't forget to let us know what you're drinking while you're listening to the show. Go on yourself, big man. Hey everyone, this is Scott. I'm happy to welcome our first sponsor, Samurai Comics, the premier destination for comics, games, and more in the greater Phoenix area. Next time you're in, tell them the illustrious gentleman sent you to claim your complimentary puzzled look. Thanks so much, Samurai. On this week's episode, Ryan and I talk conventions from the perspective of artists in the alley, why we'll never read a Deadpool comic, and repeatedly mispronounce Chris Samney's name. There, I did it again. Thanks for listening, and here we go. Welcome back to another episode of The Illustrious Gentleman. I'm Scott. And I'm Ryan. And uh, we're here today to talk about shit, I guess. Right. I, I like it. It's another day where uh, I didn't have to do much work. You had the idea, prompted this week's talk, so I get to just sort of sit back and relax a little bit. But um, so I, You deserve it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I work hard. So how has your, how you been the last week or so? Uh, good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I haven't been quite as busy as you. You did a, a bunch of traveling and a show in that time, yeah? Yeah, I went to uh, Wizard World Austin. So yeah, I did that. Austin's great. I love Austin. Uh, I've The last couple of years, I've become very fond of sort of West Texas in general. This is my second time to Austin, and both times were completely different as far as the kind of places I went and, uh, you know, who I saw while I was there. But uh, this was fun. I had an old friend... Um, from high school lives there. I haven't seen him, hadn't seen him since 1994. He lives there. So uh, I drove to Austin and picked up another uh, good friend in Tucson and he rode with me and we got to see an old high school friend and hang out with him for a night. And then I spent the, uh, the weekend of the show with my good friend, Rob Osborne, who's an artist uh, in Austin as well. So we did the show together. Right on. Yeah. Rob's good people. He's fantastic. I think, I think I've always known this, but I think it's official now that he's my own personal like guru. So, yeah, he's great people. His family's fantastic, and uh, it was outside of anything having to do with the show itself. The weekend was uh, very fun. Even the drive wasn't too horrible. But yeah, I had a good time. Right on. But the show, the show is a nightmare, which I kind of thought it would be. Um, it's a Wizard World show, and I haven't done any of those. Uh, the first convention I ever did was a Wizard World show, but in the last 11 years, I hadn't done any Wizard World shows. And I did this one just because it was in Austin, and they agreed to have me out uh, as a guest. So, uh, you know, they comped my table, and, you know, I was on the site as a guest, but uh, overall, just a very, not a very good show if you're an artist of any type talked to a couple other guys one, you know one guy I talked to is a Marvel artist and he was kind of astounded at how slow the show was all weekend and um, I know it didn't didn't go well for me it was my worst out-of-state show ever but uh I mean that's what you get you know the show 
really show didn't really have much promotion. You know, it's around town. There's no, you know, they don't have banners up. They weren't doing any cross promotions with any companies as far as I knew. You know, when they would talk over the loudspeaker during the convention hours, which they did very often and very annoyingly, never was it mentioned that, you know, go visit comic creators. You know, I mean, they had like uh, Charles Sewell, I think, who writes uh, Daredevil, maybe. They never mentioned, you know, go meet the writer of Daredevil back in Artist Alley. Nothing like that. It was always announcements about like, go get your photo with Sebastian Stan signed or go and, you know, uh, go see the cosplayer fashion show in room, whatever. They didn't promote or talk about the Artist Alley area or the vendor area at all. Well, that's not too uncommon, right? I mean, I don't do a lot of shows, but even the ones I do, I I don't recall ever hearing any sort of announcement like that. Right. I I mean, I I don't know what advantage there would be for the show itself to drive people to those areas. Right, but I think some shows – well, and I've heard announcements. Phoenix Comic Con will do announcements sometimes if a certain vendor or a certain artist is running a special or – Something like that. They they've done announcements at Phoenix Comic Con, but right, it does not it does not benefit the show at all, um, which is why Artist Alley is always in the back and always seems to be the least important feature on most Comic Cons. But still, I mean, Phoenix Comic Con they have a big banner that says Artist Alley. You know, they have. I didn't look at a I didn't look at a program guide at all, but I didn't see anyone carrying a program guide at all for the show the whole three days I was there. The aisles did not have signage saying which aisle you were in. So even if they were looking for a specific artist, uh, it wasn't, you know, for the average, you know, customer or the average attendee, they didn't really know where to go or anything like that. And then I also found out, because we were kind of want, uh, wondering on Saturday why it was so slow. And uh, I found out that ticket prices on Saturday was $50 plus a $9 convenience fee just to get in the door. Just for Saturday? Just for Saturday. Sunday was $45 to get in the door. I don't know what Friday was. Uh, I would imagine about the same, $45. So, Good Lord, that that's an expensive one-day ticket. Right. Well, how much How much foot traffic do they do? Yeah, not didn't look like much. I mean, from inside... And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to sell the three day package. I think a three day package was eighty bucks. So that's I think that's, still a lot. Uh, yeah, it was just outrageous and just a lot of empty hands. And that's what happens when you have a show that costs so much money to get in. Lots of people just, you know, experiencing it for the first time, but not knowing. It's not being promoted that they can, you know, that they. Sh- I mean, I don't want to use the term should be supporting the artist, but they should. I mean, if you're going to go there. Like I don't take my kids places and just so they can look at things who spends $50 so they can go in and window shop. Uh, but that seemed to be the case. Lots of people there to see the, the media people, which makes sense. But, uh, even those people weren't buying prints and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it just was not good. I mean, like I said, it's my worst out of state show ever, my third worst show ever. And had it not been for one kind of super fan that I had there in Austin who, uh, you know, uh, bought some pages and stuff, it would have probably been my second worst show ever, maybe first worst show ever. So it was just, uh, it was just slow all around. And it, you know, it wasn't just me. Like 
at one point on Saturday, I looked down our aisle and there was absolutely nobody, no attendees in our aisle at all at like two o'clock on a Saturday. Oh my goodness. It met expectations. It definitely did not exceed expectations. And that's always a bummer, but what are you going to do? I basically got to go hang out with Rob and uh, some other friends for a weekend, but it would have been nice to would have been nice to come home and have a little bit of extra money around. Yeah, I I think that's going to be the draw for most guys, right? For going to a show is getting to hang out, do the travel bit, and kind of just see people. I would imagine for the majority of exhibitors, and I guess when I say exhibitors, what I mean is people like us, artists, alley denizens it's nice to make money but i don't know how many of us turn a profit after expenses and everything so what you're going is is just for a little vacation right right but i i think that maybe you're underestimating the amount of guys who assume and count on turning on on making profit at shows up until last year up until like last November, I always made profits at shows. And then I just, you know, I, in the last six shows that I've done, three happen to be the worst three I've ever done. So a lot of that is I need to adjust to to what's happening and, and you know, and kind of refocus what I'm doing at these shows. But yeah, it's definitely nice that I can go see people and hang out. And it essentially costs me nothing other than time. So yeah, I'm just, I can only draw from my own experience. And i I mean, it's nice to be invited. It's nice to see people, but I I don't know that I can say I've ever had a great experience at a show, and I never make any money. That's why I don't travel for shows. That's that's my biggest fear for out of state shows is that I won't make my money back because with the local shows here with Phoenix and with Tucson and whatever else might pop up, I I, I never do exceptionally well. I I never come away thinking oh yeah i could do emerald or i could do heroes or i could do new york and come out on top that's never crossed my mind i'd love to do those shows but uh, the, i i'm so cheap and lazy that i i don't think it would ever be worth my while i would never make back what i spend is what i think i don't know that but th- that's my belief so that's why i don't do out-of-state shows yeah, I think, especially a show like, like Heroes, I think you would do great at. Um, I mean, I make profit at that show, and it costs a lot to do that show. I think you would do great at Heroes. Um, but that's a very specific, unique show that has spent the last 30 years or whatever really promoting art and artists. So, you know, I think everyone does really well at that show as far as, you know, making profit and covering their expenses. Anyways, that's kind of a whole different show, I guess. So, yeah. The drive was fun, and I had fun. So what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking uh, some beer that I trucked 1,200 miles. I had some leftover Lone Star in my friend's fridge, and I brought that home. And so I'm drinking the National Beer of Texas Lone Star Beer, which is owned by Pabst Blue Ribbon, but or it's owned by Pabst, and it kind of tastes like a PBR. I, I enjoy it. It's what I drink when I'm in Texas tastes good it's like a favorite budget beer of mine it's you know it's like six it's like six dollars a six pack so is it really the national beer of texas yeah that's their slogan it says the national beer of texas right the state hasn't recognized it as the national beer of texas like the state bird or anything like that well i mean i don't know i'm just reading the i'm just reading their logo maybe there's some truth to it who knows um 
but yeah, I mean, as, as soon as I got in town, we went to an HEB and I picked up uh, a 12 pack for like 850 or 875 or something like that. And yeah, so it's kind of like, it's like, it's, it's like a PBR or it's like a rolling rock or something like that. It's something I can enjoy drinking. Um, it's not strong. It's not, you know, it's going to be like a, a session type beer for me and, uh, it tastes better than like Bud Light or Miller Light or whatever. So it tastes like freedom and open carry laws. It does. It tastes. It tastes like America. It tastes like West Texas, which I, which, I'm, which is growing on me for sure. So yeah. When when I think of West West Texas, I I imagine that I think the same thing that people think of when they think of Arizona. You know, I think of guy in his pickup truck with a rifle in the back of his window. And his Trump bumper sticker driving down to the NASCAR track. Right. Well, I drove the bulk of the drive is in Texas. I mean, from El Paso to Austin's about nine hours or eight hours. And uh, I didn't see any Trump stickers. I didn't see any Hillary stickers either. But and uh, Austin is very liberal. Austin's probably a lot like Flagstaff where I live. That's where the University of Texas is, right? Right. Okay, so it's a college town. But all right, so what are you drinking? Because I know that uh, you're drinking beer today, I assume. I am. Yeah, I well, I don't have too many bottles, and I'm not going to – I feel bad recycling the same stuff for every show. So I went down and made my own six-pack at Fry's this morning. And right. uh, I, I tried to go a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I don't know that I really have a comfort zone with beer. I didn't want to get crazy wacky, but I, I chose some things that – maybe people wouldn't reach for themselves so today i um poured myself a glass of uh blue moon cinnamon horchata ale wow yeah um i was a little scared of this thing Re just reading the label uh, well do you want to know what a beer advocate thinks of it first or do you want to know what i think did you did you read ahead do you already know what beer advocate thinks about it i do all right well if it doesn't if you can form a, why don't we hear your opinion first? Okay, um, I mean it looks good. It's a, it's a cloudy amber. Uh, poured a nice head. It's got a decent nose on it. It's kind of, it's kind of bland actually for what you would think you're getting out of this bottle. Um, on the palate, the cinnamon is very, very heavy. Um, I was a little surprised. It delighted me a little bit on the first sip. But each subsequent one, I'm noticing a really heavy aftertaste, which was pleasant on that first sip. But uh, it's it's very very sweet. It's like drinking a churro. Yeah, I would imagine it's kind of like uh, with the cinnamon and the sweetness. It's almost like drinking like eggnog. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it it's different. I've never had anything like this. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll make my way through it as we go here, and at the end, I'll I'll give you a yay or nay. All right, what do the geniuses at BeerAdvocate.com have to say? So Beer Advocate has an overall user rating of 81, which is good. Uh, it took me a while to find a ridiculous review, but Pegasus here turned in a good one. All right, so this is... Uh, this is Pegasus, his review of uh, Blue Moon Cinnamon Horchata Ale on BeerAdvocate.com. So appearance is a deep golden yellow in color with a robust, somewhat coarse white head with good retention and massive fine beaded streams of slow rising carbonation 
thick, irregular tide marks of lacing adorned the glass walls. The aroma, its cinnamon, utterly dominates the aroma, although not unpleasantly. There is also a light, grainy aroma. Taste. The taste opens with a good wave of cinnamon, as well as caramel and pale malt. I'm not sure what the spice profile of Blue Moon Cinnamon Horchata Ale, but I detect what I take to be notes of pepper as well. The pepper does not contribute much flavor, but does add a slight bite and a touch of heat. The taste concludes with a bready cinnamon note, not unlike toast with cinnamon apple jelly. Mouthfeel. Smooth and pleasant, very soft to the touch. Drinkability, notes. I like this rather more than I expected to. I would certainly have it again. All right, so that's uh, that's the worst uh, so I could find. Not, probably not a lot of reviews, not a lot of clever motherfuckers drinking horchata ale. And I wasn't going to scroll through more than one no, page. No, uh, I mean, you got deadlines. What are you going to do? Um. All right, so we'll uh, we'll touch back at the end of the sh- the show and see see how you're doing with that. All right, so tonight's or today's tonight. It's cloudy, so I assume it's nighttime. Uh, today's topic is um, kind of based off a Twitter poll that you ran yesterday. I I guess the the gist of it was what what do people look for when they pick up a title? Like what are they what are their criteria for picking up a new book? Yeah, so my Twitter poll when I put it out Sunday night was, what's the biggest selling point for you when buying a comic? And I gave four choices, writer, artist, title slash character, or other. Uh, I should have, when I put it up, I should have specified that if people are picking other, that they comment and tell me what the other is. Uh, I'll be sure to do that in the future. But uh, yeah, do you want to hear the results? I would love to. All right. Um so number one, artist came in at 40%. Two, not surprisingly, is going to be writer. Three, that was 26% for writer. Uh, third place, 19% is title or character. And with 15% is other. Not surprisingly, other is last. Not surprisingly, but I will say at 15%, other is higher than I thought it would be because outside of creative team, and character what really what other um, yeah it'd be interesting to know what other they're talking about yeah and uh i'm gonna mention a couple things about that i think we should go one by one in these and drill down into them about what we think but you also posed the same question on facebook and it seemed like the vast majority of responses on facebook were also artists yeah yeah so we'll go with the artist first i'll also say i think your twitter poll at 40 percent was lower than i would have thought for artist just because i assume i assume the people who follow us on twitter and facebook are going to be mostly artists or people that are interested in art so i i thought that it would skew even more heavily than that um i do kind of I kind of regret that uh, I posted that on Facebook only because it kind of took off and I don't really have the energy or the time to give that thread as much attention as it needs because it's not Twitter. They just didn't click a box. Everyone kind of explained why, you know, why they chose what they chose. Yeah, but Um, just reading through the comments, I I gleaned that probably 80 percent, 80, 85 of respondents were saying art. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I mean, it is kind of like. I mean, it's, you can see the people who choose writer are almost exclusively people who want to write comics and do write comics or have no interest in ever drawing comics. Those are the kind of guys who are going to choose writer. 
But uh, all right, so sticking with artist, however, I think I mean I think in a visual medium, I'm shocked that it wasn't over fifty percent. I'm shocked that anyone, uh, uh, yeah, I'm surprised it's, it's not clearly over fifty percent when you're dealing with a visual medium that art would be the number one reason. Well, I, yeah, I mean, what that's still you know two fifths, I suppose. Um, <laughs> when you break it down into fifths, it's still not too much. But given the four options to come up with 40%, it's still pretty decent. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. But, I mean, personally for me, it's artist. I really, you know, I jotted down a couple ideas. But for me, it's 99% of the time art is why I'm reading a comic. I mean, it has to be a comic. It would have to be a concept and a storyline that I was totally on board with and fascinated by to put up with art that I didn't find appealing. So, so just going through my thing real quick and then we'll jump back over to you. Uh, yeah. So I got art 99% of the time. So like right now I'm reading black widow, who's a character I've never cared about before. You know, I've just never cared about that character, but there's nothing about black widow that makes me want to read black widow comics. Now, um, would you be, Reading Black Widow, though, if it were just Chris Samney, not also Mark Wade. Yes, I'd yeah, and yeah, I w- I would be reading if it was just uh, Samney, and I probably will not read it once he's not on it, even if Mark Wade stays on it. Um, I mean the the comic's fun, it's great, but what I really enjoy about the comic is the the pacing and the visual storytelling, and then you know the combination of Chris Samney and Matt Wilson on on art duties. Um, you know, uh, it, just that stuff can't be written into the script. I don't think that's him. That's not Mark Wade. So yeah, it, you know, unless they replace Chris Samney with another artist that I love, you know, I, I won't, wouldn't pick up that book and I would not miss reading that book. Okay. So Samney is one. I was going to ask, is there any artist whose work currently you would pick up just for them? Yeah. So Samney is one. And then the other example I came up with uh, was uh, Stuart Emanen. Um When he did his like f- four or five or six issues on Star Wars, um, those are the only six issues of that I picked up. Uh, I didn't read the book before he was on it. I didn't read the book after he left. And that's not to slight the other artists that are on the book. It's just personal preference and you know a limited uh, a limited budget for for comics. So I, I'm very picky on what I get. And even right now, I'm reading Empress, which is written by Mark Millar. But if Stewart wasn't on that book, I wouldn't be reading that book either. You know, the story doesn't really do much for me that I'm on that book just for art. So for me, art, 99% of the time, very few exceptions. Okay. Yeah, I can only think of one guy off the top of my head. And nobody's going to be surprised by these answers. Um, I mean, Kevin Nolan is the only guy I can think of where I would pick up a book just because it's him. That still doesn't mean I will buy the book because I am terribly, terribly frugal and tend not to spend money at all. But yeah, I mean, I just recently got a Kindle for the sole purpose of being able to read books digitally on Comixology. So the first books I bought off of Comixology were a couple of uh, Mignola verse nolan books just because he drew them right yeah that's the only example i can think of for guys if i didn't have a problem buying more stuff i'm sure there are other guys who i would go out of my way to follow 
but as it stands, that's that, that he's the only name right now today that will make me pick up a book with a, without a second thought. Right. Actually, I'm going to add another one to my list. So it's besides uh, Chris Samney and Stuart Emanen is probably Corey Walker. Um, I haven't been reading Invincible monthly. I usually try to pick up a trade now and then, but I am reading Invincible now because he's on a six-issue run of the book. And then a book like Science Dog, I would normally never read. It's just not my type of book, but I it's one of my favorite comics because uh, Corey Walker did the art for it, so I'll add him to that list. All right, so then your poll was at your poll is at 26% uh, writer. 26% writer. All right. So for me, I was really kind of racking my brain earlier. If there is a writer, I would pick up no matter what. And the answer is no. But the closest that comes to that would probably be Warren Ellis. Um, I, you know, I could probably read a book with less than amazing art if Warren Ellis was writing it. But other than that, I can't really think. You know, maybe Rick Remender's a close second where I'd, I'd at least give it a chance. But no, there's no book that I will read strictly for this story, strictly for the without without. Yeah, art. I kind of came to a similar conclusion. Uh, I sat down and I tried to think of a name that would get me to buy a book. But every time I would come up with a writer that I liked, the book that I was thinking of specifically was also attached to a character that I also have affection for. So I I found it hard to separate writer from the other category of title and character. Those two combined will get me to pick up a book, but I don't think well at least not uh, at least not uh, just based solely on a writer. I I can't think of a time when I've ever picked up a book just because uh you know like you said Warren Ellis is writing or Mark Miller or you know Grant Morrison or. Uh, Jason Aaron or anything. I, I I've never been able to do it based solely on that without there being other influences in there as well. Exactly. So yeah. So then that would lead us to the third one, which is creative team or was it character or title? Right. Um, and so this would be, um, you know, if you're a Superman guy or if you're a Wolverine guy or a Spider-Man guy, Right, you're gonna pick up those books, or or if you're one of those habit guys, so you've been reading action comics for 35 years and you just buy action comics now. So that it falls into those like uh, loyalty and habit. Right, like I did that when I was a kid to the whole loyalty and habit thing. Was I bought Uncanny X-Men straight for like 130 issues or something like that? You know, issue like two. 30 something up until like three the mid 350s you know i religiously bought x-men every month and the great thing about x-men was they almost always had great artists on the title but there were you know various fill-ins you know so even when there was an artist that was a fill-in artist that stuck out like a sore thumb compared to the other guys on the book you know i would still buy that issue just to keep the run going to follow the story but you know say like uh if there was a guy I didn't really like and he was going to do a 20-issue run on Uncanny, I don't know if I was going to sit through 20 issues of him to get back to a run with Mark Silvestri. So um, it just I kind of lucked out that way where I would I did follow that book for so long. Hellboy's a book where you have the character concept and you kind of know what you're getting in the story with Hellboy. That I'll, you know, I'll pick it up 
sometimes regardless of the, of the artist, but I won't buy it or collect it if I don't like the art. So I guess my answer on that is there's there's no character I, I would blindly buy. There's no title I would blindly buy. Yeah, I, I'm in the same camp. I I have not fallen into this category since my teens either. I mean, I had subscriptions, but they were always gifts or subscriptions. So they're for birthdays or Christmas or whatever. I'm trying to think. I mean, everybody bought X-Men, but I bought X-Men because of Jim Lee. I don't think I ever bought X-Men because it was X-Men. Who came on after Jim left to do Wildcats? Was that one of the Cuberts or who was the artist? Well, I, we talked about this in the last episode, I think. Um, who Art Thieber was the bridge artist after Jim to uh, to Andy. So you were you stayed on board through that whole transition? Yeah, yeah, you know I did. And I went out of my way to track down each chapter of that Executioner song, Art, or Ark. Um, I mean, and Jim wasn't a part of that at all. I, I don't know why. I think it was probably part of my subscription at the time. And it's like collecting trading cards at that point. You know, I've got it's 12 parts or whatever, and I've got five of them. I might as well get the other seven. Um, Yeah, but I'm trying I sat down. I'm trying to think of a book that I bought out of habit or loyalty. I mean, I bought the first 55 issues of Spawn after Todd left after the like issue 17, something like that, because I think Greg, his first issue was 18. Or maybe it was 16, something something in there. It was in the, the mid to late teens. But I stuck with it for 55 issues. Right, but one, I mean, you could arguably say that Greg Capullo was an upgrade on that book. Yeah, but I, I don't remember ever reading anything beyond 30-something. So I was buying it, and I'm pretty sure it was just sitting there. Wow, that must have been, you know, Moneybags Godleski just buying comics and letting them rot. That's right. Um, yeah, the only other book I can think of is Backlash, which also did kind of the same thing. I had bought the first, you know, handful or whatever, and 14-year-old me really enjoyed it, so I kept buying it. And then after a while, you're buying it just to buy it. Thankfully, that one only went 32 issues. (laughs) Right, yeah, so that seems to be, I mean, I did that as a kid, too, in the 90s. I would buy an image book just because it was announced like you'd see an ad for a certain book in the back of another book and I would order it and buy it without even really knowing who the artist was or anything like that and I think it's easy when you're at that age to sort of the habit of it is ingrained and the collecting aspect of it is there but yeah not since the 90s can I think of a book that I ever bought more than one issue of or even a single issue of where it wasn't the whole package. But yeah, so yeah, that kind of covers those. I mean, I did jot down some notes about characters. Uh, so I, I kind of go the other way. Uh, there are creators I love. That's why I put my, my artist choice at 99%. There are artists I love that I, w- I would not buy a book they were on just because I, the character does nothing for me. Oh, see, that's interesting. So like if one of my, my three guys that I mentioned before or even, I mean, even like Mignola, if he was going to do like a Howard the Duck graphic novel i would not be buying that shit the one category of comics i really don't enjoy is humor comics for some reason i just never there's nothing about reading a comic that is going to make me chuckle or really gonna make me laugh um so yeah you know or a character that i think is nothing but humor and really doesn't have much substance like a character like deadpool which is almost like a gag comic at this point 
Can you think of any characters where you... No, I, I can't think of a book that I wouldn't buy even if... Like if Kevin Nolan were drawing... You know, uh, I guess Deadpool's a good example. I don't know. I might still just... I might still get that just to look at it. And I, and I realize like funny books or you know humor, lighthearted, uh, over-the-top kind of books are in right now because of Deadpool. But this is coming from a guy who reads like three comics a month, so take it for what it's worth yeah i guess that's worth saying too is that i only read one book regularly and i think maybe we'll talk about this after we talk about the the other category but we'll go back to what books you're reading right now and um for what reasons yeah so as far as the other category i can't think of it um i can't think of anything either I really can't think of what that could encompass because I would throw I would throw like color art in with the art. So yes, there are some there are some artists who I normally wouldn't buy their stuff, but they're good. But I just normally wouldn't buy their stuff. But if they're colored by Matt Wilson or Elizabeth Breitweiser or you know Jordi Belair or Dave Stewart, I'm going to give them another look. I'm going to give that book a closer look than I normally would because there are colorists that can elevate you know, art that's not normally up, up, up my uh, alley, you combine them with, with an artist who's pretty good and you get a great colorist on there and you're going to get a great looking final product. Yeah. So I have a few ideas on what might, um, on what the other category might be defined by. So like concept. So if you like zombie books or, you know, if you like sci-fi or whatever, or high concept stuff, then you might take a flyer on a book with, you know, a, a creative team you're either impartial about or unfamiliar with. Or people like us who are as fringe as we might be in the industry. Yeah, you're gonna pick up occasionally you're gonna pick up books by your friends. So you may not have any interest in the concept. You might have not you know, not have any interest in either the writer or the artist, but you know out of a show of support, you're going to pick up the book or, or just, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but for collectible purposes, just because it's a number one, uh, or because it's an anniversary issue or, you know, whatever, just, just to have it, to say that you have it, or it's silly as it sounds and as stupid as it is to, you know, as, as an investment or to flip it at some point that, but those are the only things I can come up with for the other category. I can see that. Uh, I think a lot of those might be a spark that might make me personally pick up a book. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, if the art doesn't hold up, you know, so it's, it's that kind of criteria. Like I'll pick up a book. If the art's amazing, I'm buying the book. If the art is 75% amazing of whatever I consider that to be, and the story's good, I'm picking up the book. If it's 50-50, I'm probably picking up the book. But, you know, if it starts to go less than that or it's not a whole package, you know, like some people said, like some people were taking it as if if you take that literally, like I'm gonna buy everything that Warren Ellis writes or whatever, and that's and I can't nothing's nothing is an ultimate like that. Like no, no, ama- amazing art is not gonna save a relaunch of like like Blood Wolf or something, you know? <laughs> sure, but you are picking up that book because of the name, right? And and I would you know I would uh, if someone told me like oh there's this amazing sci-fi book that's like really good alien sci-fi. Uh, and I haven't heard of any any of the creators. I will research it and I will check it out and I'll flip through it. But one of those other factors has to pop in 
really the art factor has to pop in for me to it to be something that I'm going to pay for. Um, but yeah, the the category of buying your friend's books, um, yeah, I've been known to buy. You buy it to support it, like it's important. You know, I'm sure people have bought comics I've worked on that they've never even opened. All right, so is there any other thoughts you wanted to throw on that, and then we can jump into uh, our personal book for reading and for what reason? Or how about so there are two books with the same creative team. So you got say say Wade and Samney are are doing a creator owned image book, and it's on the shelf next to Black Widow. Uh, what are you going to put your three or four dollars down for? Does it make a difference for you that it's a creator own book? No, I would definitely uh, buy the image book because I know I'm getting the same. Well, I mean, if I only, I'd buy both, but if I only if I had to choose one, if I was down to my last four dollars, I'm buying the image book because I know that that's personally supporting the creators more than if I bought Black Widow. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, my, it's like shopping local. Okay, I think that was my last point. Okay, so. The books that we're reading right now, can you put them into any of these categories? Why are you picking up what you're picking up? So I read, I pick up and read Southern Bastards, and that is a perfect balance of story and art to me. Neither one sort of carries the book more than the other. It really is just sort of the ideal combination of what I want in a comic, which is fantastic art that's a little different, a little new. I feel like every issue I flip through, I, I could learn a trick or I could pick up something. And then the story is just great, and the writing and the dialogue is great. The other book I read monthly is Low, which falls into the same exact category, except you're adding on like a cool sci-fi angle to it. Uh, whereas Southern Bastards would normally be a book I would never... If it didn't have uh, Jason Latour attached to it, I never would have bought it. No matter how great the story is, I don't give a shit about football, much less Southern high school football. So that's a book I'm, I went to the well for because of Latour's art, art and that's why I buy that book but it just happens to also have an amazing story to go with it um, Lowe has amazing art, amazing writing and it has a great concept that I really find fascinating I'm trying to think what else, I know. Well, I'm buying Empress but I already clarified that I'm only buying that for the art but yeah I can't really think if there's anything else that I'm really buying monthly without like uh, you know, without uh, you know, if it's just a short run like Invincible, I'm picking up the six issues Corey Walker's on, and then I'll probably pick up the last thirteen issues before they wrap up the series because I do like that. I do like Otley's art a lot. It's just not something I pick up every month, and then uh, that's it. But I am going to start picking up to go back to concept, giving something a shot because of the concept or the title is the new Hellboy miniseries that's set in the fifties, uh, Black Sun, which is. Stephen Green is doing the art, and he's this uh, new guy coming up that I love, so I'll be picking that up based off of his art and the character. But yeah, that's just my mumblings. I don't read a lot, but that's you know kind of kind of what I said earlier. The art has to grab me, and then the rest has to carry through. What do you got? Well, the, I only read one book on a regular basis right now. I only read the main Superman book by um, Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. I will say I picked it up for... The combination of um, of character and other. I wanted to read a Superman book, um, so I picked it up because it was Superman, but also the concept of Superman being a dad. You know, his kid is Superboy now. I thought was fantastic, and the potential to just be a lot of fun and have a lot of heart and just be a really nice enjoyable book maybe even something that my son and i could read together and it ended up being a good buy i think um 
you know, I think Tomasi's doing a nice job both with the the story and the execution. And I think that Gleason is um, a more than capable Superman artist. Yeah, and and we're through seven issues now. Two of them have been by uh, Jorge Jimenez on art, who has sort of a uh, an Oliver Coipel. I I'm gonna butcher the crap out of that. You know who I'm talking right, about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, it, it's reminiscent of that, and um. It's nice. It's nice. I like his issues a lot. So even the fill-in guy, I'm down with. And, you know, on a book that ships twice monthly, you're going to get fill-in guy from time to time. But it's, yeah, it's 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 nice. So I'm buying it because of character and other, but I ended up continuing to buy it because of writer and artist. So all four of those are, are ringing the bell for me right now. Right. So if they change it up and did like a five issue run with uh, Dan Fraga on the book, would you would you stick through <laughs> it to get back to the main creative team? Are you that involved? Right. Are you that involved in the story that you would stick through a fill in arc? I might just uh, and probably because it's the only book I'm reading. Yeah, but but if I were spending twenty or twenty five bucks a month on books, and then had to put up with something like that i i would be more inclined to drop it yeah i haven't given it a shot just because my 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 heart has turned to black as far as uh you know sweet little uh tales of fathers and their sons so super <laughs> superman's not a character i ever really cared much about so there's really not much desire on that end but who knows maybe i'll flip through a trade sometime but yeah so i mean basically the whole conversation could have been summed up into like 30 seconds where the art has to be there there's no circumstance where we would continue to buy a book that the art we did not find the art appealing yes yeah art is number one uh i i don't for me it's not something i think i could forgive i mean like like i said when we were talking about writer i couldn't think of a book where i could separate the title or the character from the writer, that combination would get me to buy. So when I was thinking of books, I was thinking of Warren Ellis, but the only Warren Ellis books that I was thinking of were, were Hellblazer books. And I'm a big John Constantine fan. So his Hellblazer run was, was great. Even though the art, I can't remember specifically who was on there, but I do remember being disappointed by some of those issues just because I felt the art was really weak or oh, who else? I, I, I was going to say Mark Miller, but I can't think of anything of his that I've read that I didn't also like the art. So maybe that's not a good example. I mean, I, I remember uh, maybe we can cut this back in with a uh, title and character or whatever, but um, I remember buying the Grant Morrison issues of, new x-men but after frank had moved on i was still buying it but i wasn't reading them so i have a bunch of them in a long box that i've never read yeah to kind of to kind of touch base on the whole other category i i don't know it might i think the constant reboots and the constant different kind of like takes on characters uh which i enjoy i like the fact that um, not everything is such nailed in anymore as far as uh, continuity, but that it does make it hard to collect a book now just for the book when it reboots every like 20 issues with a different spin and a different creative team. You know, when I was a kid, there was one X-Men book and then it became two X-Men books. But now there's like 
all new, all new, all new X-Men. And there's like four X-Men teams over like four or five books. It's like, it's impossible, I think, nowadays to really focus just on property. But I'm sure there's also guys who buy all like 18 Deadpool titles. So, um, you know, the <laughs> books are selling no matter who's drawing them. Um, and I think that I think that actually proves like, the, you know, despite what I think or what you think or whatever, t- characters are what sells books. And that's proven by the fact that Marvel is launching books with artists I've never heard of. I mean, there it used to be if a new X-Men book was going to launch, Jim Lee was launching it. Or, you know, Punisher War Journal was launching, John Romita Jr. was launching it. And now they're launching books that I've never heard of the creative team on. So we really have gotten to the point where, as far as the big two go, I think property sell or character sells more than creative team. Because otherwise, Samney and Wade would be on the main Avengers book or they would be on the main Spider-Man book. They wouldn't be on, you know, a Black Widow book. That's probably not one of Marvel's top sellers. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I think with the big two, um, yeah, it, it's a brand thing. And then when you get outside of that, I think it's a content thing. All right. Well, so those were our thoughts, which there's probably going to be people listening like, oh, they hate so-and-so as an artist because they're not buying, you know, they're not buying their issues. So like, that's not true. No, we, we don't hate anybody. We we just love some folks more than others. Right. Some people, you know, everyone's got a top couple guys and. When you're as picky as we are, my top guys tops out at like three. That doesn't mean I don't have ten favorite artists. It just means I have three guys I kind of would kind of follow blindly. All right, so wrapping up. Uh, yeah, I would recommend the Lone Star. I recommend if you're in Texas, you drink as much of it as possible, and uh, it's fantastic. It's like I said, it's like an eight fifty twelve pack, and uh, it's absolutely delicious. I like the fact that it's something I can drink when I'm there. It holds it holds special meaning in my heart. I'm sure I could go to Total Wine and pick up a six-pack of Lone Star, but I would never drink it unless I'm buying it in the state. So, yeah, it's comfort it's comfort food for me. Uh, how did your uh, cinnamon horchata turn out? Uh, I'm almost done here, and I'm not sure. I don't think I would recommend it. I'm trying to decide if I would buy it again. I think I might drink it again if it was put in front of me, but I don't know that I would spend money on it. Right. It's not going to be in your next six-pack of beers from Fry's. Yeah, it it's really rich. It might be a little too much. Maybe it's maybe it could be like a, a Christmas Eve beer. You, crack, you have one of those after you put the kids to bed and you're waiting for Santa to come. Snow, snowing outside. Yeah, I, I feel like it's... It's more of a beer for people who don't like beer. Yeah, it, it it's average, I suppose. Now that we're doing these kind of weekly, the whole upcoming projects thing is kind of moot. Um, if there was something to announce, it would have come out on Twitter, I suppose. So, You got no uh, show this weekend? No, no show this weekend. I'm uh, Nothing until uh, the first weekend of November is Tucson Comic Con. So yep. I'm not doing anything until then as far as I know. Um, so, uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at, at Ryan Cody, but more importantly, follow the show on Twitter at uh, TIG underscore show. Uh, I'd like to have some more followers um, on that aspect. Uh, and you can always check out uh, all of our episodes are available on our website, which is the illustrious gentleman dot com, or they're all available on SoundCloud, Stitcher and iTunes as well. Right on. All right. You don't want to you don't want to promote your tweet, your Twitter. Oh, I I suppose. I mean, uh, at Scotty God, uh, all over the internet, it's the same thing. All right, cool, man. I'll talk to you again in a week or so. All right, amigo. All right, bye. Bye. bye.